All right, 2 Kings chapter 4. I will just begin to read here in chapter 4, verses. I'll begin at verse 8, and I will conclude at verse 11. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem, where there was a notable woman, and she persuaded him to eat some food. So it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed for him there and a table and a chair and a lampstand. So it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. The Elisha room, very simple room. It just had a bed, a chair, a table, a lamp. Very, very simple. But it was where Elisha would go and turn in and meet with the Lord. It is where he would go when he would come through this town called Shunem. And the woman and her husband prepared it for him. And he would turn in and there he would find his uh, just an opportunity to rest, to be with the great I Am the presence of God, to just be with the presence of God, to fellowship with the Lord, to meditate upon the Lord, and to pray. He would sit at the table, I'm sure. He would light the lamp as he would sit at the table and as he would meditate. But then he would also lie down on the bed. And I thought since it's summer, instead of just a regular bed, I thought let's, let's, let's use a hammock. Since it's summertime, let's celebrate some summer here. So in your imagination, can't you just see Elisha in that room? Can't you see him lying on that bed? I can. I can imagine him lying on that bed. And I want to just remind all of us just a little something interesting that Elisha was mentored by Elijah. These two men influenced one another's lives, and yet even though Elisha or Elijah mentored Elisha, they were different in a lot of ways. Here we see in 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 10, that Elisha was willing to go into this room. He was willing to turn in and rest. He made his routine journey in Shunem. He made his routine journey... And when he would go into this town, he made this home, this room, part of his routine as he would come into this town. I find it interesting that the word shunam means rest and it means quiet. Isn't that ironic? Very ironic to me. So he would turn into this room and he would go into the room and shut the door. And it would be in this moment... In this place, during this time, during this routine of coming and going into this house and into the room, that something would begin to happen. This routine of going into this room, lying down on the bed, being with the Lord, this scheduled appointment with God. He was building something in his relationship with God. Who he was, who he was, was being knitted together with the great I am. Who he was had everything to do with him being with the great I am. 
with the presence of God. There is something remarkable and profound about the presence of God. I truly believe that we will never know truly who we are and who we were meant to be if we never spend time in the presence of God. I truly believe that. Because it has been in the times when I have been with the Lord, making time to be with God. It is in those times that God reveals himself to me and he deals with me. He reveals my weaknesses. He reveals my inconsistencies in my life. He reveals those things to me so that he can reveal himself and put his glory in place of where I am lacking. Everywhere I am lacking, he wants to replace who I am with who he is. But I will never become everything I am meant to be without him. And by being in God's presence, that is so often when God molds and shapes us, reveals ourself to us, because the word is a mirror and we see ourselves. But yes, he reveals ourself to us, but he also reveals himself to us. And I'll say it again. You will never fully become who you were meant to be without spending time in the presence of God. And one of the greatest discoveries I've ever made in my relationship with the Lord is I have discovered how incredibly profound and transforming God's presence is in my life when I make time to be with him. And so Elisha was very different in this regard when we compare Elisha with Elijah because Elisha was willing to go in, turn into the room, shut the door, make routine appointments with God to go in and to lay on the bed and to rest and to fellowship, and to meditate, and to pray, and to be with the Lord, to talk to God, to let God encounter him. He was willing to do those things. Unlike his mentor, Elijah, just think about this. If you ever look at the story in 1 Kings 19, when Jezebel decides to come after Elijah, and she promises that she's going to kill Elijah, she makes an empty threat, It's an empty threat because it never came to pass. But Elijah allowed his emotions and the vulnerability of what he had just gone through to somehow lie to him, and he believed a lie. He believed a lie based on his emotions. And so Elijah goes on the run. He just starts taking off, and he runs. And he leaves his servant behind. He wants to be alone. Now, notice the difference here. Elijah, in his fear, wants to be all alone. And he does not want to be alone with God. He wants to be alone with his emotions. He wants to be alone. If you read the story, he gets into depression. And he wants to be all alone so he can be alone with his emotions. He wants to be alone with his anxiety, his fear, and his depression. However, Elisha, on the other hand, when he would go into this room to be alone, he did not go into this room to be alone with his emotions. 
He went into this room to be alone with the Lord. And there's a huge difference. There's a huge difference. And we as people of God, we must learn to discern the moment when we are with God. Because we must learn to discern when we get alone with God. Do you get alone with God to be depressed and to be discouraged? And to just sort of wallow in that emotion? Or do you get along with the Lord so that God can meet, can meet with you and, and transform you? You know, there's a lot of people, they have a relationship with God, but it's a depressed relationship. It's full of anxiety. They're never being transformed. They, they, get, they get with God, and yet they never, they're never transformed. And there's, there's a disconnect. So Elisha would go and get along with the Lord in the room, not to be along with his emotions, but to be along with the Lord. However, Elijah wanted to be alone, removed the servant out of his life because he wanted to be alone with his anxiety, his fear, and his depression. And then finally, when God gets him to a place where we will, if you read the story in 1 Kings 19, Elijah runs and runs and runs away from Jezebel, and he runs so far that he finally collapses And the story says that he decides to lie down. Now, when Elijah finally lies down, it's not a place of rest and fellowship with God. It's a place of depression and anxiety. And I believe that Elijah struggled with depression I do. I believe he struggled with depression. I don't see this in Elisha's life. Elisha did not seem to struggle with depression. But Elijah struggled with depression. And when he finally got to a place where he was willing to lie down because he collapsed out of exhaustion and depression and anxiety, it was a whole different experience that he had with God. He finally lies down, but he's drained. Whereas Elisha, when he lies down in his room and in his bed, he's not drained. He lies down to fellowship with the great I am. And we need to be able to discern as children of God, when I get alone with God, do I know how to draw from the well of the Holy Spirit? Do you know how to do that when you get along with God? Do you know how to, to ascertain and apprehend the Holy Spirit and draw from the well of the Holy Spirit? So when you lie down in your bed and when you get up, you have been renewed, refreshed, revived, fresh anointing, transformed. David says something interesting. He says, even if I make my bed in hell... You are with me. I couldn't get away from this. I couldn't get away from this. Listen, there are some people that they are going through hell in their life. They're going through a hellish situation. And it can get so bad, they don't want to go to bed. They don't want to go to sleep. They dread when the sun goes down. Because they're going to be all alone. They've never learned how to apprehend the anointing of the Holy Spirit in their situation. 
But David says, even if I make my bed in hell, you are there. You are with me. What if we, as people of God, learn how, no matter what we're going through, I can take my bed and I can turn it into an Elisha room, even if it is in the midst of my hell that I'm going through. Now, wouldn't that be more than overcoming? See, sometimes we just want to pray, God, get me out of this hell. Get me out of this problem. Get me out of this grief. Get me out of this whatever I'm going through. But what if we learned how to take our bed, and even if I make make my bed in hell, I can learn how to find the Lord and discover you are with me, and I can turn my bed into an Elisha room even in hell. Wouldn't that be awesome? Do you know how to do that? Do you know how to do that? Because, see, if we only have the kind of relationship with God, that God's got to get me out of this mess in 24 hours, but sometimes our, our distress and our troubles last more than 24 hours. And if we only have the kind of a relationship with God, that if he doesn't get my bed out of hell the hell of situation I'm going through in 24 hours, then I can't, I can't fellowship with God. Then who is this God that supposedly says he loves me and he's with me? See, that's, that's, that's the story you will have to tell. If you've never learned, (laughs) if you've never learned to take your bed and put it in an Elisha room and And it's something I've had to learn how to do. Now, Elijah is all alone. He's depressed. He's discouraged. Doesn't want anybody with him. Elisha was all alone. But he wasn't depressed and discouraged. He wanted the Lord with him. You know, I think Elijah's personality was a little, if I had to categorize it, I think he was choleric. I think he was sort of a depressed choleric. I think he was driven. He was driven. And you have got to learn how to walk in the spirit. I don't care what personality you have. You can be choleric. You can be phlegmatic. You can be sanguine. You can be melancholy. But you're going to have to learn how to walk in the spirit. Because if you are choleric and you are driven, you will drive yourself into Moments of anxiety and depression and exhaustion because you are driven. And I believe every one of us, however God has made us and designed us, we're gonna, we have to learn how to discern the Holy Spirit, walk in the Spirit, and find that place of balance and health in our relationship with God. But I do believe that Elijah was choleric. I believe he was driven, and I believe he struggled with depression. And this was Elisha's mentor. But Elisha did not copy that. When he got along with God, it was getting along with God. He was not going to get along with his emotions. You know that, that, that phrase, self-talk, you know, self-talk? I heard a pastor say this, and I agree with it. 
If you're down and discouraged, don't have that talk by yourself. Do not do it. If you're encouraged and you're thinking about things that are good and of good report and praise to God, have that talk with yourself. Elijah got into that negative self-talk and he had it all by himself. And people who get down and discouraged and want to get all by themselves and have that negative self-talk, it's destructive. And thank God Elisha didn't follow that example. Oh, hallelujah. And I think Elisha is, is, a, is an awesome example for us to learn how, what to do. See, from a mentor, you can learn what to do and what not to do. And thank God he didn't copy Elijah's tendencies to get down and discouraged and depressed and negative and all alone with his, his emotions. He got all alone with the Lord. All right, so 2 Kings chapter 4, verse 10 gives a description of the room. And so here we have the bed. He is in this room with the Lord. And I'm going to say this. You cannot be with the great I am in vain. It's impossible. It is absolutely impossible to be with the great I am and have it be in vain. A moment of of just, it was a waste of my time. I, I should have just taken that time I spent with the Lord and, and, and did something else with it. How many times do you think to yourself, I don't have time to be with the Lord because that time is so precious, I got to take that time and use it on something else. Now that is vain. The 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour that you would have spent with the Lord, and instead you take that time and you, you use it to get a chore done. Now that's time spent in vain. That you could have spent that time that should have been with, meant for the Lord. And I've learned this. You cannot spend time with the great I am and have it be in vain. Because there are things that God does in our spirit, many times, just because we have gotten before him and waited in his presence that we don't even realize. Many times until hours later, days later. I am absolutely convinced of this. You cannot spend time with the great I am And have it be in vain. Even if God doesn't say a single thing to you. Just by being in his presence. There is something divine. And rewarding and fruitful. That happens in your spirit. And again. You may not know it at the moment. But you know what you're doing? You are setting the stage. You are setting the stage in your spirit. So later on, maybe hours later, maybe days later, God shows up and the Lord says, this is that. This is that that I was doing in your spirit when you were in my presence. 
So you cannot spend time with the Lord and have it be in vain. Things happen. I want to give you this. Just let me just give you this phrase if you're taking notes. Prepared by his presence. Prepared by his presence. You can read and you can inform yourself. You can educate yourself. You can do all of those awesome, wonderful things. But you cannot substitute being prepared by his presence. David said, I hunger and thirst for the presence of the Lord. I pant after it. Why? Why would David say that? Because he discovered there is something life-giving, transforming about the presence of God. You cannot be in God's presence and have it be in vain. God is either doing something in your spirit that you're, you've yet to realize, or he is setting you up so the next time he is ready to speak to you, you can hear him. God is always doing something. When you are prepared by his presence, things will begin to flow forth as a result of being in his presence. If you watch, you will find it. You will see it. Things will begin to flow forth. And as Elisha spent time in this bed, he was being prepared in his inner man. And there would be things that would begin to flow forth from this moment of being with God in this room, in this bed, that is played out in 2 Kings chapter 4. Things will begin to flow forth. Wisdom and strategy begins to flow forth as a result of him being in this room and on this bed with God. Sometimes God is preparing something in our spirit that we have yet to see and to understand. Have you ever been in the presence of the Lord and it's like you're just so aware, oh, God is here. God is here. Maybe you're alone in your, in your, in your devotional room with the Lord and you're just so aware, oh, the Lord is right here. And he's not saying anything to you, but it's just as if he has captured your attention. And you're waiting for the Lord to say something to you or to reveal something to you and you don't know what it is. But all you know is God has captured my attention. Something happens in the spirit and in our spirit when we meet with God. Let me read to you 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. Eye has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. Look here. Verse 10. 
But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches, searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God. Sometimes God is preparing something in our spirit that we have yet to see and understand. And so you get before the Lord and you just have an awareness like you, you're having an awakening. God is in this room. And you don't know what God is up to. You don't know what he's trying to say to you. I believe that there are things that the spirit is doing. He is searching deep, deep in our spirit. And he is searching deep because he is working and preparing something that your eye has yet to see and your ear has yet to hear and has yet to enter into your heart. I have gotten before the Lord at times and I just have a sense, God is here, God is here, God is here. And I don't know what it is. But I know God is here. And I believe, I've discovered this, I believe it is the deep searchings of the Holy Spirit according to 1 Corinthians 2.10. And he is searching and he is searching deep and he is doing something in my inner man so that I will be prepared. And he is doing something in the timetable of heaven. Things I have yet to see and I have yet to hear and has yet to even enter into my heart. But because I have spent this time with the spirit of God, it is as if God has said, look up here, look up here, look up here. Get ready. God is preparing. You know, there is an amazing story in Genesis chapter 15, verse 12, and it says this. We're talking about the bed. We're talking about being on the bed. When you're on a bed, what's most likely bound to happen? Fall asleep. Genesis 15, verse 12. This is is Abram, Abraham. And God's about to give him an encounter. And what does the Lord do? Genesis 15, 12. Now, when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And behold, horror and great darkness fell upon him. Then he said to Abram, he goes into a a dialogue while Abram is asleep. He is speaking to Abram's spirit while Abram is sleeping. Can God do that? Have you ever had the Lord do that to you? I have. He, he goes into this dialogue with Abram, and he reveals to Abram profound things. He reveals to Abram in regards to how long he's going to live. He reveals to Abram about his descendants and the judgment that will be coming into the world. Profound things while he is, in, while he is asleep. God puts him to sleep. Now, I find that interesting. Joel chapter 2, verse 28. Let me read you that verse. We're talking about the bed. We're talking about sleep. Joel 2, 28 says this. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. 
if you're going to dream a dream, what do you have to, what do you have to be doing? Sleeping. Can I just, can I just throw this question out and just give me a little feedback? Why do you think God has to get to a place with, 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 with us as we age that he says, now the old men are going to dream the dreams and the young men are going to see the visions. Why do you think that is as we get old, God speaks to us in a dream? What? We sleep more. That's, that's pretty funny. Anything else? Lorna? Yeah, we have lived so much life, and our life, our mind is so full. And also, I, I read an interesting comment about this one time. Here is, here's the, here's the trap. The longer we live, the more experiences we go through in life, the, the knowledge that we gain from just living life, we can get to a point as we get older and we think we know it all. We think we know it. You remember that old phrase, you can't teach an old dog new tricks? And we're not open to new things. I can't remember. Yeah, can't teach an old dog new tricks because I can't remember. But the thing is, is as you get older in God, you got to watch that. Don't you get to a place where you feel like, oh, well, I know it all. I think one of the greatest, most awesome qualities we can have is to stay humble and open and teachable. Childlike faith. But God says, I have, I have to speak to the old, man, old men in dreams because they get to a point where they think they know it all and you can't tell them anything new in God. Oh, I don't believe that. I've never seen that. Well, just because you may have lived to be 85 years old doesn't mean God still isn't going to do it. Are you kidding me? You're going to limit God to your lifetime? As a matter of fact, when God is speaking to Abram, he's talking to Abram about things that are going to happen after he's dead and gone. Isn't that awesome? Abram, you're never going to see it, but I'm going to do it. So I'm not too impressed with people who get full of their self and think they know it all just because God's never done it in their lifetime. Thank you, Lord, that you don't, live at my, you don't limit my experience to somebody else's life. Oh, hallelujah. I love that. That makes me happy. I don't like to get around bored, stuffy, routine, legalistic, religious Christians. Give me somebody that'll climb in the bed. Oh, hallelujah, and let God give them a dream from heaven. Let God show them something new and different that they never would have dreamed. They're so phlegmatic, they can't imagine themselves being a leader. But I'm phlegmatic, and look what God did with this phlegmatic person. Isn't that amazing? If you'll just open up and let God. And so, things start flowing God wants to do something. He says in Joel, I'm going to cause the old men to dream dreams. The young men will see visions. Now, there's a neat story in Acts chapter 10. It's with Peter. He goes up on the rooftop. He's waiting for lunch. He gets hungry, and God gives him this vision. Do you remember that story? And the sheet comes down. It's all these unclean animals. And the Lord says, Peter, rise up and and kill and eat. And what does Peter say? No way, God. Okay, get this. He's awake. God's giving him a true vision. This is, this is the real deal. 
And what is he doing? He's arguing with God. Oh, Lord, have mercy. It's, it's a wonder God can get anything done. He can barely speak to us when we get old. He's got to speak to us in our dreams. And when we're young enough to be awake, we argue with him when he gives us a vision. God can't win. It's amazing God gets anything done. <laughs> but God will speak to you in your sleep. I know it sounds a little loony, but hold on now. It's biblical. It's biblical. Psalm 16, verse 7. Let me give you a verse. For all you that are getting your feathers ruffled, what do you mean? God's going to sleep, speak to me in my sleep. Psalm 16, 7. I will bless the Lord who has given me counsel. My heart also instructs me in the night seasons. God can, can minister to you and give you wisdom and counsel while you're sleeping. There's another one, Psalm 19.2. Oh, I'm looking at 18. Day unto day utters speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. I had the Lord one time give me a prophetic dream. And I, I, don't, I don't have this happen hardly ever in my life. This was about 10 years ago, and God gave me the most supernatural prophetic dream when I went to bed that night. You talk about making your bed in hell. I was making my bed in hell that night. But the Lord was with me. And God gave me the most amazing, supernatural, prophetic dream I have ever had in my entire life. This thing played out in three stages. And, and as I was asleep, all of a sudden, even in my sleep, I felt the hand of God come upon my head. And as God played out this prophetic dream in three stages, each one had a unique scene, a unique picture. And to this day, it is so detailed. If I was an artist, I could draw it. And as God was giving me this prophetic dream, it was a prophetic dream that was giving me wisdom and hope for the sheer hell that we were going through. And as it played out, God would give me the interpretation for every part of this dream. It was amazing. The Holy Spirit counseled me in my sleep. Oh, hallelujah, God can, God can give you a dream. It is amazing. When you get into that bed and you lie down and you let yourself just be in the presence of the Lord, God can deposit something remarkable in your spirit. Now, in the Second Kings chapter 4, going back to our story, we see him here in verse 11. Happened one day that he came and he turned into the upper room and lay down there. He begins to pray in fellowship with the Lord. I believe this. I'm going to find something here. Romans chapter 8, because I have experienced this. 
Romans chapter 8 says this, verse 26 and 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the heart knows what the mind of the Spirit is. Because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Back to 2 Kings chapter 4. Elisha's lying on this bed. He's praying. He's talking to God. If you read the, the continuing verses, he says to his servant Gehazi, Gehazi, call the woman into this room. And she comes in. And he says to her, you have been so good to us. You've been so good to me. What can I do for you? And you know what I see here? I see that as he laid upon that bed, even as the Spirit of God helps us when we do not know what to pray for as as we ought, and he makes intercession with groanings that cannot be uttered, and he searches the heart, and he knows the mind of the Father. And he puts the mind of the Father into our desires as we pray. And I see this happening with Elisha. I believe as Elisha laid on that bed, and he just began to enjoy the intimacy and the fellowship of the presence of God, I believe it was a divine desire and question that heaven flowed, it flowed from heaven into the Elisha room and into Elisha's heart. I believe God put this question in Elisha's mind and in his heart to have that woman come into that room and say, what can I do for you? And then Gehazi said to Elisha, you know, she doesn't, well, he asked her, what can I do for you? And she's basically, basically like nothing. I'm good. I'm good. But the servant Gehazi says, oh Lord, or, 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 oh, Elisha, she does not have a child. And so Elisha begins to extend this opportunity of a miracle to her. And she gets upset with him. She doesn't want to hear it. But God is about to give her something she did not ask for. See, she took that desire and that hope for the future, and she buried it. And she said, that's okay, God, I don't need it. I can bury my hopes. I can bury my future. It is what it is. And God never intends for us to live in a life that just is. It is what it is. You can't get in the bed in the Elisha room and start fellowshipping with God and not have the Spirit of God start to stir in you and awaken you, and even give you things you did not ask for. Oh, glory to God. I just want to give you a Holy Spirit challenge. I challenge you. I challenge you to get into your bed in your Elisha room. You climb up on that bed, and you ask for things that you dare not think to ask for. You ask for them. You do it. There have been times I talked with God about something one time. I was praying for my parents. I've told you this story over and over again. I prayed for my parents since I was 16. And at that time, I was about 51, 52. And I said to the Lord that morning in my devotions, God, I just don't think I'm going to ask you anymore. Because they had yet to get to get saved. And as soon as the words were out of my mouth, I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit say, ask the Father one more time. Oh, glory to God. 
The Holy Spirit will give you things that you did not ask for. He will put desires and expectations from heaven in your spirit. He can enlarge your vision for the assignment on your life, for the anointing of God on your life. He can enlarge your assignment and your vision. He can give you things you didn't dare to ask for. Listen, I don't play crazy games with God, but I know the Holy Spirit and I've learned to identify the presence of God. And I know what it means when God downloads something into my spirit. And I think to myself, Lord, I never thought to ask you for this, but all I know is, is you are provoking me to believe you for more. Oh, I just pray as a result of this, this time being in God's presence that, that I have done something in you. See, because when, I hope it's triggered a hunger. I hope it's triggered something in your spirit to say, God, I want to know you like this. God, I want to meet with you and I want you to speak to me like this. I want you to awaken my hope and my faith. Oh, Lord, he loved this. The Lord loved this woman. He wanted to do something in her heart, in her life. Now, I got a special song for you. I got another video song for you. Going to use this bed. And uh, Pastor Luke and Jen are going to help me with this. Jen's going to get in the hammock. And as the, st- as the song starts, to starts, starts up, he's just going to gently, he's going to go with it. Luke, so just go with it. Go with the music. You can just stay in your seat. Can we dim the house lights a little bit over the, over the pews? Let's make this a little more intimate. And I just, want, I just hope this inspires you. This is for you. I want you to just run after a desire to just get in your bed and spend time with the Lord and let God speak to you. Okay. Pray for us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I pray for your sons and daughters tonight. Holy Spirit, will you just woo them? Will you woo them into the presence of the Father? I pray, Father, that you will cause them to find a place of fellowship and counsel of the Holy Spirit unlike anything they've ever known before. I ask, O oh, Father, that they will hunger and thirst, even as David said, I pant after thy presence. Oh, Holy Spirit, I ask that as they take the time to meet with you, they will experience the divine fellowship and wisdom and even strategies of heaven, that they will know that you know their name, that you walk with them, you talk with them, you counsel them. I pray that the The peace of God will be so supernatural in their life that it will guard their hearts and their minds because they know the I am. They know the I am. Oh, Father, take this time that we've had in your presence and may there be fruit that flows forth as a result of being in your presence in your house tonight. For, Lord, it is never in vain. And we thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. God bless you.